This is the Law School Show. Rish, what up? Welcome back, guys. How you feeling, Chris? I'm feeling pretty good. Actually, I'm feeling really good. Just back from Thanksgiving. Um, ate some soul food. Spent some good time. But I have been wondering, i got to be honest, is Rish okay? Or should I be saying, what up, Rishi? You know, for you, my man... Rish is perfectly fine, even though my dad might not be uh, extremely happy about that. But for you, you get special privileges. Rish is perfectly fine. Good to know. I'm glad we uh, cleared the air there. What do we got today, Mr. Andre Backus? He's the assistant director of LPP Work Placement Office at Ryerson University. Yeah, the law, pa- law practice program has been a hot topic of discussion amongst law students and especially those graduating without a traditional articling job lined up. I know friends, family, and some of our listeners who had the inside soup, inside scoop part of me and knew we were speaking to Andre have been asking me all about this interview and what we covered and what Andre had to share. So what do we dig into? Well, amongst various topics, we talk about the mandate of the LPP. We also touch on the curriculum itself. We talk about LPP's advantages over traditional articling. And we unpack uh, the work placements that have been secured so far and whether or not those placements are in fact paid. And we also get some student feedback that Andre shares with us for students that are going through the program this time around. Yeah, Andre is a dynamic dynamic speaker and it was uh it was a treat to sit down with him for a while and talk about this he's a he's a passionate guy and he shares a lot of insight and uh, we're very very thankful to andre for taking this time and uh speaking about lpp with us so without further ado here it is a conversation about lpp with andre bacchus all right hey guys cool saturday morning right before thanksgiving here with andre bacchus and my man rishi hope everyone's doing well andre thanks for being here my pleasure. Thank you both for coming in on a Saturday morning to do the interview. <laughs> so you've got a, a colored past of hiring people and placing them into good jobs. Uh, what led you to accept this position with the LPP? Sure. Well, first off, I guess uh, with the big changes that happened with my previous role, uh, where you were involved as well, and I reached you know about it over at Hino Blakey, yeah. uh, I figured uh, it was a great opportunity then to start looking at what my next step would be. And when the law practice program came calling, I thought it would give me an opportunity to work with a greater number of candidates coming into the program, basically coming into the profession, and also at the same time, leverage all the skills that I've gained over the years from my time uh, working at Osgood as the Director of Career Services, my time at Eden Blakey, as well as my time even as a recruiter at Robert Half when I uh, ended my practice and I, I started going on the alternative path. So the Law Practice Program sort of brought all that together for me, and I felt that the individuals involved with it, uh, Chris Bentley and Gene Alexandris are great folks. They're individuals that I know well and people I've worked with before, and I thought, why not? Let's see where we can take this and where we can make a big difference in the profession coming up. Fantastic. What, so what are your responsibilities in this current role as the Assistant Director for the Work Placement Office? Sure. So basically, in my role, I'm responsible for working with employers and candidates and identifying opportunities. Um, and basically bringing those opportunities together to create a placement for the candidates. As part of our program, candidates are involved in an eight-month program with us. They've got four months of a training component, which is a live virtual simulation that they're involved with, and then four months of a work placement from January to April, uh, in this case, 2015. And my job is to help work with the employers to identify where we can make those opportunities happen, and also work with candidates to help get them into those opportunities and help them to also appreciate how to conduct the job search and how to be able to get out there, not just for the placement process, but also hopefully post-call to give them the skills and tools to land future opportunities, uh, which may, uh, may make sense for them. So I find myself working as a uh, in-house recruiter in a way for many different organizations because I'm helping them uh, identify and work with candidates, yeah. but I'm also uh, a representative for our candidates and helping them to also get their skills together to be out there to be able to market themselves. It's, it's important to get a sense of how the LPP stacks up with a traditional articling route. So let's let's break it up into two things. Highlight some advantages of the LPP sure. and some disadvantages. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So. Well, I guess let me start with the disadvantage because I think it's probably the one that everybody's thinking about. Uh, When the program first came about, uh, everyone had their ideas of what this could be, what it might represent. And, you know, there were people who had their own views and were detractors of of what it it might be 
uh, involved and who might be involved in the program? And would it create a second tier, if you will, within the, the, the overall licensing process and maybe the bar itself? And so, uh, Like a second tier of candidates? A second tier of candidates, okay. exactly. And, you know, I think once people have started to learn more about it and realize what the program is about, all of a sudden it's becoming more and more apparent that the advantages of our program are tremendous. And what I mean by that is that our candidates are involved in, as I mentioned earlier, these virtual simulations as being members of a virtual firm. So they're getting an opportunity to develop all of the core skills and competencies that the Law Society and the other Law Societies across the country have identified as being essential for success in practice. That includes interviewing clients, uh, managing matters, uh, doing practical research and drafting, docketing their time, managing a trust account, issuing invoices, dealing with all of the things that might come up within a regular practice. In addition to that, also using the software and tools that sometimes Arlington students may never get a chance to do, which includes using TerraView to close a real estate transaction. So actually doing their own real estate transaction closing. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many Arlington students get to do that. I also don't know how many Arlington students get a chance to negotiate a separation agreement or directly argue a motion. Um, so the advantages are that these folks are getting a chance to truly get involved in the activities and work rigorously and hard at developing those skills, not just once, but on several occasions as part of each of the matters they're working on. Now, these advantages then, when you stack them up against traditional articling, there's a variety of articling experiences that are out there. Some that will deliver different aspects of what I just described, others that may not deliver that at all, and other articling experiences that in some situations may not really provide any opportunity for candidates to truly develop what the skills and tools they will need to be successful in practice. So we've designed a program from the ground up to ensure that it hits those communication skills, those analytical skills, practical research skills, practical drafting skills, client management, practice management, and professionalism and ethics issues, which we know that not every articling experience can do, whether or not someone is in a different firm or even within the same organization as the articling student, each candidate will have a different experience. Our program, every candidate will have the same experience and have the same opportunities in those first four months to develop and refine those skills. So it's almost like by going through the LBP program, you've done an articling position in different size markets and different size firms and in all different size practice areas. So you're you're leaving it with a skill set that's applicable to a wide variety of employers. A wide variety of employers and a wide variety of practice areas because there's seven different areas of law that the candidates are exposed to as part of managing their files. From business law to uh, administrative law, civil litigation, criminal, family, real estate and wills and estates. And in each of these areas, they're actually managing their own file and matter. So whether it is closing that real estate transaction or drafting that will or managing um, a situation where there's a hearing around a labor issue or if there's a situation around uh, negotiating a business uh, transaction or a commercial agreement. Mm. They're doing all of that as part of this. And it is rigorous. It's time consuming. We've got candidates who've said to us, I didn't realize it was going to be this busy and this full time. I also didn't realize that Friday night at you know five, six o'clock, I'm going to get a phone call saying, <laughs> by the way, I'm in jail. Uh, this is the client. And now wow. what do I do? Right. Yeah. And, you know, that happens. Like The program is set up to give a real, uh, a realistic uh, experience to the candidate. So, you know what, they've got to now call that, uh, that uh, client back in jail and tell them what to do and tell them when they're going to meet them and also what, how to manage it. And that's all set up to allow them to allow this to occur. The other part of this, though, too, is that even on the professionalism and ethics side of things, uh, you're getting a chance to be experience the fact that you know what things happen in life. So all of a sudden, you've got to go argue a motion tomorrow for your client. You look at the retainer and realize that it ran out two days ago, and they haven't paid their last invoice. What do you do? Well, we're part of a profession, right? You probably got to go argue that motion and deal with the other administrative items after the fact because we have a commitment to the administration of justice and our clients and this whole profession. So they're experiencing all of that and appreciating what it truly means to be a member of the bar and be involved with clients and putting clients first. And also, with the technology that they're using, becoming efficient at doing that yeah. uh, in that in that delivery. I know before the interview we were speaking a bit about different tasks and 
I guess, uh, problems that the students have already gone through thus far and the, the different situations that they have faced? Can you just yeah. give a few examples as well? Like what are some simulations that they've already gone through and what's sure. in store for the next two, so three months? So one of the things that they have already done is close that real estate transaction. So they were using the TerraView software that uh, actually manages all the parcels of land in Ontario. So we were able to strike a deal with the uh, company that administers this program uh, that is live and works and deals with literally all the pieces of property in the province of Ontario. So, so is TerraView the same software that a practicing lawyer would use? Every, yeah, everyone has to use yeah. because this is how it's administered. So we were able to strike a deal to get access to their training program, which is a copy of all of the live program uh, operating in a simulated environment. So literally pieces of land that would be bought and sold or however they have to be dealt with or registered, mm -hmm. they were going to be doing, just like it would happen in real life in a practice. And they did that. I can tell you that obviously with technology and with the use of all of this, there were some complications too because they're learning this, they're trying to figure it out, but at the same time though too, they're actually experiencing what it's like to be in someone's practice doing this or their own practice yeah. down the road doing it. So it's all up to date, it's all current. This is really what they're going to be doing. Uh, they also are using uh, Clio to docket their time and manage their accounts and manage their matters, which is a software package that's Canadian that's used by a number of organizations and, and practitioners in this country uh, to docket and manage their files and accounts. Uh, so they're learning that skill and that ability and that's coming along. They're also using other pieces of software uh, in other areas of practice that are necessary, whether it's for registering things or managing or conducting research. So whether it's Lexis or Westlaw uh, that they're using, they're using all of it. So they're really getting a chance to experience and do exactly what we'll be doing within practice. And that's the idea. This isn't law school. It's not an extension of what happened in the academic world. This is all about managing and learning and doing in your practice. And these skills that you're gonna gain, you can take with you post-call into whatever area of law you decide to get involved with. And in fact, we're hoping that some of these tools and skills will be useful, not just immediately post-call, but two, three, four years down the road post-call because these are situations that people really do face. Um, and all of the simulations that we, I've described, whether it's in the family law context, the criminal law context, or uh, the real estate context, or any of the other areas of law, they've been all developed by lead practitioners in their field. So that helps to ensure that they're realistic, they have the twists and turns that one faces in practice from people who have that experience, who've seen it, and these candidates gain the benefit of having that experience in a safe to risk environment, where yes, things can go wrong for them, but at least they've got the opportunity to learn from it, and they've got the opportunity to then figure out how, how this should have been done instead. And we provide that feedback as well, so that they are really learning. And we know that sometimes feedback may not always happen in the, the way you'd like it to happen in every article situation too, because everybody's busy. But in our environment, feedback has to happen because it's the only way people are going to get a chance to learn and get a chance to continue to improve and develop. So this is the inaugural group of students who have enrolled, correct? Correct. Currently going through the LPP. So how many enrolled? How many are currently? Sure. So I think uh, just before the program had even opened up and launched live, we had around 400 or so candidates who were interested in the program. And um, eventually, the time live, uh, the program went live, which was at the end of August, we began with around 268 of them or 270 of them. And once the program uh, went live, so that first week of live simulations and live work that they were doing, along then with the virtual work that was happening subsequently over the last eight weeks, um, we've had some adjustment to that number. So we are now down to 226 or so candidates who are part of the program. And you know we're, we expected there would be some change because I think everybody was trying to figure out as well as they were going forward how this would fit in. And that change was due to a number of factors. We, one of the factors in particular that we think um, candidates have told us uh, has affected whether they're in the program or not is the fact that the program is truly a rigorous and full-time commitment. And some candidates coming in may not have truly appreciated that. We did educate and remind people that that's what they were committing to. But I think once uh, you know, sort of the rubber hit the road and things started getting done, uh, they realized that maybe they couldn't juggle all the things that were on their plate, and maybe this program wasn't necessarily what they thought it was going to be. So is it a, is it a daily <laughs> yeah. commitment, and how many hours per day are it's they a, looking it's at? It's a daily commitment, seven days a week. Yeah. It is a uh, when it comes to hours, well, whatever number of hours there are in a day, which is twenty-four, just like we are in practice, typically. 
that's really what you're involved with. So when the twists and turns happen on a Friday night or a Saturday or whatever, wow. you've got to be able to deal with it because yeah. that's what practice is all about. At the same time, you know, some candidates may not have, may not be ready for that and may not have that ability. So they may have chosen to withdraw from the program because they haven't maybe organized their life for that type of commitment. In addition to that, we've also had some candidates who may have uh, stepped away as a result of maybe our counseling on how they're performing within the program. As I mentioned, we are assessing the work of our candidates and monitoring it as we go, right down from the practice management skills all the way up to the quality of the work and the servicing of clients. And what I mean by that is, we have actors who play our clients within this, this entire virtual environment. And these are actors who are hired by Ryerson as part of their uh, inter, uh, interpersonal skills and training center who act as, let's say, the medical patient in another program here at Ryerson, but today will be the real estate client or the family law client in our program. And they have a full backstory and a full experience to you know, what this client is all about. So when they're being interviewed by our candidates or they're working with them in a, a particular transaction setting or whatever it is, these actors are also gathering feedback and relaying that feedback and providing assessment as well. In addition to the assessors who are also practicing lawyers who are monitoring and assessing as well. So the idea is that you know we're getting the ability to have information to share with the candidate. And when we share some information with candidates, they start to appreciate that maybe they weren't ready for our program. Maybe they didn't have the necessary skills under their belt yet that would allow them to fully function, whether it be uh, particular types of drafting or, or communication skills or other types of skills that might be needed to maybe manage what was happening. Um, and so maybe this was the right time. So they've chosen to step away as a result of that counseling. And maybe they'll come back in, in subsequent years uh, when they're ready for the program. Our goal is to help ensure that the program is rigorous. It's um, providing the core competencies and skills so that when folks are called to the bar, they're not just getting called, but they're going to get success down the road. And that's the, I think, the driver behind all of this. It's to ensure that we have better trained lawyers that are out there and that we have an opportunity to service the public in the way that they should be. Uh, the third reason, too, why candidates um, have uh, also come out of the program, a couple of our candidates, through efforts of their own and efforts working with us, have also landed articling opportunities where you know we've started to reach out to employers and speak with them, and it turns out the employer's need is a bit more than four months. Maybe they need, do need a 10-month articling student, and we've been able to uncover opportunities where that's occurred, and the uh, candidate is able to run with that. So we're happy for them. They got the benefit of some of our program and now they're moving into that opportunity there. Uh, but uh, you know, one of our candidates actually called me yesterday and said that she's being presented with a startup opportunity because she was looking for the four month placement. She did some outreach of her own, which we've been counseling her candidates on doing as well. There are ambassadors much, just as much as we are the ambassadors for the program. And you know, in doing her outreach, for that four-month placement opportunity that she thought uh, would be a great, uh, a great uh, placement for her, the employers turned around and said, "Well, you know what? We can actually do ten months, and we're hoping you can start tomorrow." Kind of idea. So she called me up and said, "You know, what do I do? What do I do?" And uh, my response was, "Well, okay, uh, you know, you want to weigh out things to ensure that this is an opportunity that makes sense for you, and uh, that if it is the ten months that you're looking for, that will give you the chance to get the skills you're looking for as well." You know, by all means, you want to take that as well. But she said, you know what, I'm torn because I've been having such a great time with the program. Yeah. I've been developing these skills. I've been doing all these different areas of law. And I've been getting a chance to truly, truly push myself and experience things. That's going to end now when I go into this article opportunity because it's a, one particular area of law. And I said, well, you know, that is true as well, but you want to weigh out what makes sense for you at this stage in your career and what you'd like to try to do. So she's giving it some thought over the weekend. Yeah. She's going to get back to me and to the employer. She's going to try to see if she can convince the employer uh, to maybe give it a bit of a, of a delay so she can maybe continue with us uh, in the training component and then maybe begin the placement in January as it's you know, structured for us uh, and then maybe even continue post uh, the end of the placement in April with the employer from that perspective. We also have a couple of other employers who've said to our candidates as they've hired them on board, we're hiring you not just for the placement period, but for the long haul. That's what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's been icing on the cake for some of our candidates because no one has made that commitment or that promise that these roles that are in the placement period from April, from January to April will continue post. Yeah. The employers have no commitment whatsoever. But some of our employers, because they've learned more about the program and start to appreciate what 
the skills are and what the training is all about have realized this could be a great tool for them for recruitment and a great opportunity for them to be able to get trained candidates who can hit the ground running uh, you know, post uh, completion of the program. And nobody's making that commitment in the traditional article. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, as, as, yeah. you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it, there, I think as, as time goes on, we'll start to see how things continue to unfold. Mm -hmm. I think the Law Society in uh, being brave enough and being, um, I guess, having the insight as well, after doing the research about what's been happening within the article marketplace, uh, the shrinking number of opportunities, continuing increasing number of candidates, also discovered that the core skills and competencies that are necessary for success may not have always be delivered in every particular articling situation. Mm -hmm. And in a varying degree across different articling situations. Whereas now in this program, as I mentioned earlier, we can ensure that the core skills and competencies mm -hmm. are truly being delivered for every single candidate within the program. You had mentioned that initially you had 400 applications for this time around, however, only about 270 students ended mm -hmm. up starting. So is there a selection criteria that gets applied to the applications or yeah. does everybody we, tend to get it? We did not have the ability to turn anyone down who wanted to be involved with the program. Uh, the Law Society, as part of the uh, piloting of the program, has uh, basically said, you know, here are the two streams, traditional articling, LPP, whatever a candidate elects, candidate gets to pursue. So we were not screening anybody on the way in. Um, in fact, we would educate them about the program, let them know about the commitment, and help them to appreciate what they're getting involved with. And I think the reason the number came down is because people realized that we, you know, stuck to our guns and our words. What we said was going to happen did happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you weren't ready, well, the proof was in the pudding when you're doing the work, and then you, you might decide to step away, maybe recognizing that you aren't ready. Um, so while we didn't pre-screen, I think the actual work itself and the opportunities that are happening within the program have been an element of helping people to decide, are they ready for this and are they truly getting what they need out of it? And um, I think uh, that's why the numbers come down. And uh, you know, from our perspective, everything in life is, a, is made up of choices. People chose to go to law school, they chose which path they wanted to be on, they chose this program, they get a choice when it comes to their placements as they're getting involved with them, um, they get a choice when they get post-called what they want to do. Um, so we're happy to give everybody choice, but just know that here are the parameters of what we're doing, mm -hmm. and uh, if you feel that you are up to it and you're succeeding in it, great. If you're not, we'll let you know. Um, so that's how that's is, how is that something that's going to continue that uh, there's not going to be a screening process before uh, students get selected to the program to be to be quite honest I know that um, you know the first year of the program to the second year there will be things that will be different, different yeah. as we go because we're learning ourselves as we're doing this but at the same time um, we have to also look to the law study to give us guidance on some things and mm -hmm. that would be one of them because right now the prescription by the law society or their advice is that you know anyone who wants to be in can be in and we work with that. Uh, if that's what they'd like to do for the subsequent year, that's what we'll follow to as well. But um, you know, having seen the results of you know people getting involved, I think uh, you know, like I said, when they're doing the work, they'll decide for themselves yeah. if it's if it's the right thing for them. Good. Yeah. So the French version of the program is being administered at the University of Ottawa. Why did the LSUC? Uh, decide on Ryerson to implement the English version. Sure. So there was a competition broadly across the. Um, province with a number of different providers who wanted to be involved, whether it was uh, Ontario law schools who wanted to be able to deliver the program, or whether it was um, third party providers who wanted to deliver the program. So everybody submitted an RFP to the Law Society uh, to uh, make their pitch for why they would be the best provider or they would have the right resources to be able to do it. And the Law Society, um, as they looked over the RFPs, um, started to realize that when they were looking at the Ryerson bid, that Ryerson really had uh, and has a long history of practical learning and training. And that's at the foundation of this university, it's at the core of it. The university also has a strong history of innovation and entrepreneurship. Um, and as part of all of that, I think as they're looking to a brand new program that can really help to shape and change the nature of the profession as we go forward, and also help prepare folks for the continually changing profession, they realize that maybe Ryerson has the tools and the skills to be able to do that. We have candidates across this university who are involved in co-op programming, mm -hmm. whether it's in architecture, it's in business, it's in um, engineering or chemistry, uh, fashion, um, uh, the business incubator programs, uh, and entrepreneurship programs over at the uh, uh, digital media zone. 
All of these programs that are here on campus already leverage a number of existing infrastructure elements that our program has been able to leverage as well in ensuring that we're able to deliver the practical training that I described a moment ago via the technology and the virtual networks that we've been able to create and the firms that we've created for our candidates, uh, as well as the support mechanisms to ensure that all of this will function. Um, and we've been able to leverage that in developing our program and implementing it. So I think they really saw the existing resources here and they realized the history of uh, practical training, innovation, entrepreneurship are things that they want to be at the core of the program uh, to ensure that folks are truly, truly prepared for what, what comes their way. Is it possible that other institutions can open up their version of the LPP? At the moment, we are the only English provider for the program, and Ottawa is the only French provider for the program. This is during the pilot phase. so the, the, Which is three years? It's three years with a two-year extension, um, so a total of five years if everything goes uh, according to plan. Um, and then after that, the law study will determine what happens next. In other jurisdictions where this program already exists, the UK and Australia, there are multiple providers. Mm -hmm that are operating in the marketplace delivering it because it has become in some instances a mandatory program for all law students to go through before entering any type of placement or articling opportunity because they've realized that uh, without having these core foundational skills you know you have no other way of ensuring these candidates and these licensees are really going to be set up for success post-call um, so i think those jurisdictions have already addressed that and how they've approached it We've learned from those jurisdictions and developing our program as well. We'll see how it continues to unfold here in Ontario. It'll be up to the law society because they're the ones who uh, are the gatekeepers ultimately and who the, are the ones who provide the ability to be able to do this. Cool. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk a bit about the work placements now. Sure. So in uh, August, you were quoted in the Canadian Lawyer Magazine as saying that the LPP is half a year in uh, terms of securing work placements. Right. So uh, how far have we Where come? Where are we now? Yes, and, exactly. Uh, and also, yeah. what kind of response are you seeing from different kind of firm sizes and also different kind of practice areas? Sure. So let me back up for a second. So the employers that we're working with um, to identify work placement opportunities are across four major sectors. They're in private practice, uh, both in major centers and outside of major centers. So what I mean by that is uh, cities like Ottawa, uh, Toronto, um, uh, Windsor, um, Thunder Bay and also smaller communities that are outside of that. So we, those are the private practitioners. We also have um, uh, employers in the clinic settings as well across the province in different uh, communities and we also have government opportunities through the ministry uh, as well and also the federal government it turns out also we've been able to get a few opportunities there and uh, we're also working with that uh, in-house organizations, so corporations and other uh, crown corporations and in, uh, uh, um, uh, corporate bodies where they have in-house counsel. So these are the four major categories where we get our employers from. And uh, really what we've done is get out there into these various communities, uh, whether it's speaking to a room full of lawyers here in Toronto or it's going to Timmins or as I'm going next week off to Sudbury to speak to the Northeastern Lawyers Conference uh, here in Ontario. Uh, to help encourage them to uh, think more broadly about our program, to think uh, about the the training component and the skills that our candidates are gaining, and to also appreciate um, what this is all about. Even if you don't hire somebody this year as part of a work placement, you know, think about it for the future and start to appreciate what's being delivered. Because ultimately, the whole profession is learning about this. All 44,000 lawyers here in Ontario uh, are learning about this. So we've also taken out ads in the Ontario Reports on a regular basis. We've, uh, as I mentioned, been on the speaking tour. And also, that my telephone, if you probably looked at the number of minutes, both on my mobile and my landline, and also our other coordinators who are involved with the program, uh, we're outreaching to everybody and letting them know and sharing with them what the program has to offer and how we can uh, maybe help and add to their practice. The other part about this too is that some employers are trying to realize that because our candidates are using the latest tools as part of their training and development, they could bring that new knowledge and technology to their practice when they get involved with them during the placement. So folks are seeing this as an opportunity. Other individuals are seeing it as an opportunity for future planning for their practice. I have one employer um, north of the city who mentioned, you know, she's been looking for someone for a long time to hopefully become the next stage of her development in her practice, which is basically, she's thinking over the next number of years she may want to step away 
but would like to be able to train someone and have them take over this practice. And she's been able to hire two of our candidates to get involved with that for her. Um, and, and these are the types of things that we're looking for. We're looking for folks who want to give our candidates an opportunity to shine and also give them a chance to be able to benefit from, from the skills. So we've been doing that outreach and you mentioned you know we started off with half. Well, we're now well over 85% of the way there when it comes to the number of opportunities. We're still working on it. Um, you know, we've got um, uh, outreach continuing. We also have candidates who are now our ambassadors who are also doing their own outreach. So we've helped candidates and instructed them. Here's, you know, what, what we tell employers about the program. But why don't you tell them about your experience and what you're actually doing as well. And candidates will come back to me now from other communities saying, I was discussing this with this particular lawyer. They really are keen on it. Can we make this a placement? And then I will then speak with that lawyer, figure out if they meet our eligibility criteria and if they're going to be able to satisfy our placement requirement. And if they do, that candidate now has a placement. When you say 85%, do you mean 85% in terms of the total number of candidates going through the LPP program? So 100% would be the same number of placements as there are candidates? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. So what we're doing now as part of the stage of the of the program is not only are we getting the placements in, but we're also putting our employers and our candidates together. Mm -hmm. And we've created a real-world process to help ensure that that theme of choice continues within the program. So what ends up happening is um, when an employer decides to get involved with the program, let's say it's a, it's a placement that we procured, let's say it's in-house with a corporation, whether it's RBC, Infrastructure Ontario, Nissan Canada, St. Michael's Hospital, uh, Econ Construction, uh, or it's um, another corporation or company that's out there. Um, you know, we work with that employer, they fill out a profile and give it to us. So it's a one-pager, it's really simple and easy. And then once they filled out that one-page profile, we then vet to ensure that they have the appropriate supervising lawyers available, meaning they meet the criteria that we have stipulated. They have at least three full years of practice under their belt and they are in good standing with the Law Society, which is the minimum requirement as well for being an articling principal. So we follow that same uh, model uh, on that front. And once we vet that and we ensure that that works, we're then able to create a generic job posting that then we put up on our website that our, our candidates can then apply to. So the posting might read, in-house opportunity with construction company working in these particular areas located in downtown Toronto, or located in Thunder Bay, or located in Ottawa, or located in, um, in uh, Chesley, or located in Sarnia. Mm -hmm. And um, the candidates would then have an opportunity to apply to the position uh, letting you know the employer know why they're interested in that role by the cover letter and with a resume, and then you know if we end up getting in some cases we've gotten well over 150 applications for a given role, we then will work on reviewing all of those applications with our team, and once we've reviewed the applications, we will then based on what the employer has told us they would like to receive, provide that employer with x number of applications, and then the employer will then review those applications and determine from there the short list of candidates they want to interview, whether it's by telephone, via web conferencing, uh, using WebEx, or whether it's uh, in person. And then from there, they'll make their eventual hire. So the employer has choice, the candidate has choice all the way through. And we post all the information about the, the position, the practice areas, the compensation, all of it as part of it. The locations, the candidates can make an informed choice. Are you, are you getting more response from certain locations uh, more so than others? Well, I think one of the big things that you, know, you see as just part of the profession itself and the nature of business in Ontario is that some of the major centers will have you know, more opportunities. And you know, the GTA, as we've described it, which is very large, uh, you know, stretching all the way, you know, uh, whether it's from Milton uh, all the way through to Ajax and, and, and Oshawa, and all the way north to Vaughan uh, would be the GTA for us. Um, you know, we have a lot of employers in that zone. Turns out though that the vast majority of our candidates are also from within that zone. Okay. So it makes a lot of sense for people from that perspective as well. In addition to that though, we also have candidates who are in Thunder Bay and I just made a placement uh, this week with a candidate and an employer in Thunder Bay uh, because the employer had a need we were able to work out uh, what the uh, uh, the details of the placement, and uh, we put the candidates forward, and the employer ended up choosing the candidate who happened to live also in Thunder Bay and had an interest in the given area. Um, so now that's an opportunity for, for that candidate there. Uh, same goes for Ottawa, same goes for uh, other, other cities and other locations across the, uh, the province. Uh, we can't say though that we can always guarantee that a candidate's gonna land in a placement in their chosen location because that's something we don't control. And that's reality yeah. of the market anyway. Exactly. 
the employer ultimately decides, right? Um, and we, you know, if I'm an employer, I wouldn't want someone like me coming along to say, this is who you're going to hire and have in your place, or I'm going to tell a candidate, here's where you're going to work. Because in the end, no one's going to be happy. And it's not going to be necessarily as productive and fruitful an experience. So we do leave it to the market to some extent to, be, uh, to, to work itself out, to be able to, to, to get the matching uh, working, or the pairing working for the, the candidates and the employer. But at the same time, our goal is to help ensure that everybody has a placement so that they can complete the eight months of the program and they can then eventually get called to the barn and get their license. What percentage of the placements are currently paid? The majority of our placements right now are paid, so it's over half of our placements are paid, uh, so that's wonderful. Uh, we have a number of unpaid placements though as well, and there are a number of reasons that go into that, and I think the unpaid placements one can see occurring in particular types of clinic settings or other areas where the funding may be a problem in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And that's something where there's a need, but they don't have the dollars. Uh, but if a candidate really wants to work in that given uh, particular area of law, and they also want to have that experience under their belt because they know that that's where they're going to end up when it comes to practice. This is a great way of doing that. Um, we do recognize, though, that it's uh, you know it, it's it's unfortunate from that perspective if it can't be. But the, really, the goal here over these sixteen weeks is not necessarily even about the money and the compensation because it's only sixteen weeks. Positioning yeah. you to be able to have that money in the compensation later on because exactly. your skills are there. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's giving you the core skills and tools that you're going to need to have success down the road, and that's our mission: is to ensure that our candidates have the core skills and tools to be able to succeed down the road that the law society is identified, but that also through the actual work they're doing in the, in the training component and within the placement, they're going to be set for success. Now, um, we also know that candidates have uh, loans and they have uh, things that they have to, to deal with in life, and that may direct a particular candidate in what they're applying, what they're choosing. At the same time, though, it's important to remember it's only 16 weeks. We know that in the marketplace that's out there, for 10 months of articling. There are a number of articling opportunities that are unpaid or that are paid even in just a stipend. Mm -hmm. There's so many that are in the marketplace. So this is a little bit more complicated uh, when you're talking 10 months and in that situation. We're only talking about 16 weeks here. So uh, I think it's, uh, it's well worth the investment, if you will. And if these skills actually do end up being given to these lawyers going through the LPP, <clears throat> excuse me, inevitably employers are gonna recognize that Yes. And the market's going to crack itself because they're going to want these people coming out of this LPP. We, we Hopefully. Hope, yeah, I we, mean, that, that we, would be we, the vision. Our, our hope is that the proof yeah. will be in the pudding, and that's what we're doing. We're investing our time and our energy in the program, in our candidates, and in educating the professional about what's happening. Yeah. So if we're doing all of those things, uh, what you've described should be the result. And we anticipate and we predict that it likely will be. But again, you know, we don't have control over that. We're gonna see uh, how, how it unfolds, but we're gonna do our darndest to ensure because all of us are in here for a reason and all of us are here uh, supporting our candidates in the program because we truly believe in it. So talking about fees now, it's uh, LPP programs fees has been ro rolled up into the licensing fees as of this point. So the way that it works, no, the candidates do not pay us anything. They do yeah. not pay Ryerson a dime of any sort. Um, when candidates register for the licensing process, with the Law Society, whether it's articling or whether it's for the LPP, they both pay the same fee directly to the Law Society. Okay. The Law Society then contracts us as a third party to be able to, to develop, deliver, and uh, comply with uh, what they want with the program. So that's what we're doing. Clearly Ryerson is using a lot of its resources to implement this program. Very much. In the future, is there a possibility they might charge a, a form of tuition? We don't see that happening. Um, it's not uh, what we've uh, bargained with and what our RFP has, has been about or what we were doing with the program. I can't speak to what the future might hold for anything when it comes post what our five years mm -hmm. will be right now with the pilot of it. But what I can say is that the way that the structure works is that we are using all the resources and the reason Ryerson was chosen for this program was because it had those resources already in place. So it makes sense for the university, the economics of it makes sense as well. Uh, and also to be quite honest, um, I can't see w why we would be doing anything different than what we're doing now, but um, you know, this is the way it's working and this is how I anticipate it continuing. 
What are your thoughts on the Lakehead University's new program that got passed, the Integrated Practice Curriculum? It, you know, the Law Society, rightfully so, is exploring all opportunities for innovation within the profession and the training of our, of our young lawyers and, and uh, law students that are coming out. And that's an, another avenue for uh, dealing with the changing profession and how to do this. Um, I think, again, uh, we all have to wait to see how everything continues to unfold for that program as well as ours. But I know the Lakehead program is doing many of the things that we're also trying to accomplish in a slightly different way as part of the third year of their of their training within law school. But um, you know, it's also has a number of other missions that are part of what they're doing. And in fact, when I'm going to be in uh, Sudbury next week on Thursday, speaking uh, with the lawyers uh, in the northeast of Ontario. Um, Lakehead's uh, folks will be there as well to uh, provide additional input about their program. So I'll leave it to them to comment more about the structure of their program and what's happening, but I think it's uh, great to see that we're pursuing all avenues of innovation to see what makes the most sense for the profession as we go forward. What are the biggest challenges for the LPP today? I think the biggest challenge uh, overall was trying to help ensure that uh, the 44,000 plus lawyers in Ontario uh, learn and educate, uh, learn and appreciate fully what this program is about. I think the program was born with a lot of different ideas and conceptions and people were thinking when the debates were happening about what it could be, what it might be, you know, the whole bit, um, what it may not be as well. Um, I think through our efforts to educate and, and reach out, we're doing that, but we are welcoming everyone around us, our employers who are on board with us, our candidates who are on board with us, folks like yourself who are learning more about the program to continue to, to spread the word about what's happening. And that I think is probably the biggest challenge is getting that word out because we're all busy. Mm -hmm. Everyone's busy in their practice or busy in their lives. Anything new and lawyers by nature are conservative, <laughs> uh, are skeptical, right? And of course, you know, rightfully so. Uh, we're cautious individuals at times. And, um, and you this know, is a long entrenched tradition. It is, yeah. it yeah. is, you know, it is. But also with that long entrenched tradition, we've seen changes come along for the last number of years with that way it's been operating uh, from the changes in what it used to be which was you know maybe even a full year program at one point with a portion of some type of training that occurred before even starting articling to now just two exams a licensing mm -hmm. exams the barrister solicitor exam and then the articling mm -hmm. so there really is no hands-on additional training by um, the regulator or by the um, you know, for the core professionalism skills, if you will, other than the online piece of it that they were offering. But now we have a, a, a real shift in, you know, by doing, you're going to develop those skills. And that's what our program is about, is by actually doing it, you're going to get the skills. So this shift we see as being one of those things that will help, I think, provide better lawyers, uh, better trained lawyers, as well as uh, greater opportunities for lawyers within the community. And what I mean by that too is that not only are we uh, providing uh, better lawyers who are trained for the public and for the profession, but we're also uncovering a number of opportunities through our outreach replacements that previously didn't exist. Employers who said, I can't take a 10-month articling student because I feel my practice is too limited or I feel that 10 months is too long, I can't afford that. Now, a four-month placement is much more doable, and because their area of practice might be a bit more focused, that's okay. You don't have to worry about the fact that the candidate you're going to have with you will only be focused on what you're doing, because guess what? We have, in the first four months of the program, provided the candidate with the opportunity to develop all of the core skills and competencies that they would need, and to be exposed to seven different areas of law. So even though that your placement might be a specific area of in-house work, or a particular type of private practice or clinic work or um, work within government, you don't have to fear that you're not providing a fulsome enough experience because mm -hmm. what you're doing now is providing an opportunity for the candidate to further refine some of those skills they gained during the training component. It also seems that the LPP would incentivize a smaller office to offer an articling position because that smaller office might not have the resources to go out and procure students but That's you right. guys are kind of acting as the middleman. We are. And we are also, met, also vetting the applications yeah. before it gets exactly. to the employers. A number of employers have said to us, they wouldn't take an ad out, they wouldn't do this or wouldn't do that because they don't have the resources to go through a thousand applications, 200 applications, yeah. even a hundred applications. Um, so what we've done is yes, we're like an in-house recruiting agency yeah. for all of these employers. And we're also now uh, a training ground for all of our candidates. So we bridge the two together 
and we are that kind of middleman. You're right. You're yeah, right. It's and uh, it's great. It's great. We're seeing success with it, and we're you know cross fingers knock wood that it continues <laughs> that way. So yeah. we have asked you a lot of questions that are top of mind. I think a lot of people. Uh, what are uh, some things that are not commonly known about the LPP or people not might not be thinking about sure. at this point? I think one of the things that people aren't completely aware of is when I when I talk about the virtual firm and what the training component's about, they're like, what do you mean a virtual firm? What is it all about? And you know, let me describe a bit about how it works. Uh, once our candidates begin the program, in, in, uh, they began in August, we divided all of our candidates up into a four-person virtual law firm. So four candidates would form a virtual firm and a member of the community would act as their mentor or senior partner for that firm. So a practicing lawyer who's out there in the community. And these five individuals now, as part of this firm, are working on all of the matters that I described earlier in the areas of law. And as part of that, they're using all the latest technology to be able to communicate. So, yes, the candidates have an in-person week at the beginning of the program, an in-person assessment week that's happening next week in the middle of the program, mm -hmm. and another in-person week towards the end of the program. But every day, these candidates are on their computers, talking to each other via WebEx and conferencing with each other as if they're sitting in the same room to discuss the matters that they're working on. They also get in touch with us every week as part of our Managing Partners Roundtable where Gene Alexandris and Chris Bentley will be providing them information about what's happening within the larger virtual firm, if you will, uh, that they're a part of. Mm -hmm. At the same time, too, these candidates are uh, dealing with, you know, when they get off the technology, working on the matters that they need to work on, interviewing the clients via WebEx, uh, meeting the clients in person when they're here. So they're, it's all just like practice. And how many of us in practice on a daily basis may not have ever met our client face-to-face -face because we deal with them by email, by telephone, or by video conference? The majority. Exactly, mm -hmm. the majority. And, and, you know, why should we stray from what really is happening in real life? And our program is designed to make sure that it's mimicking what's going on in real life. So our, our candidates are taking full advantage of that. So that also allows our candidates to be located in different parts of the province or even outside of the province at times. Because we have candidates who are participating in this program to become licensed in Ontario who are in Halifax and who are in Victoria mm -hmm. and who are also all over the province of Ontario and in between. Um, so they're able to participate because of this. Um, the in-person weeks, well, they've all got to be here in Toronto on campus for some of these assessments and, and negotiations and other things that we're doing. But at the same time, a lot of the program happens through this. So uh, using the technology and the tools, they're getting a chance to do that. So that's what the virtual firm is all about. They're also, though, within this virtual firm, not just doing the work, but they're managing their practice. How many of you managed your practice in, in an articling environment? Many of us did not, right? Because that's happening behind the scenes by the organization usually. Well, they're managing their practice. They're documenting their time. They're issuing invoices. They're managing their trust account. They're doing all the types of things that one would never get exposed to in some situations. And they're getting a chance to learn about that. So when they get out there, these aren't foreign concepts. They're not just concepts anymore either. They're actual things that they've done, mm -hmm. which they can then leverage when they're looking for that next opportunity. Or if they decide to open up their own practice, they've got the tools to be able to do that. We also have experts coming into the program to educate our candidates about the different ways of, of operating. Whether you're a limited liability partnership, an LLP, or you're going to be a professional corporation, or a traditional partnership type model or association model, what the advantages and disadvantages are of those, what the business structure looks like, and these are business folks talking to them about that. So they truly appreciate and understand why they're getting involved with something and doing it. How many of us coming out of law school knew what any of that meant? I, I wager to say none of us did, right? Because no one talked to us about this. We had no clue. That's we just kind of did what came next sort of idea. And I bet you many of us still don't know what those things mean today. <laughs> um, so we're really, really giving the candidates the ability to be exposed to a number of different folks. And the, the, the final piece of this that I think a, a number of uh, folks are not aware of is that everything within our program has been designed and developed by lawyers, it's being assessed by lawyers, and it's being delivered by lawyers. So these are all members of the bar who are practicing lawyers who understand what it's like to be in practice and, and appreciate what's going on. So it's not a situation of somehow, and this is not meant to be pejorative to the academic world in any way, but it's a situation where we're using the real situations that folks have faced to be able to inform 
how our candidates are learning and developing so that they can truly hit the ground running when they get out there. Do they do the candidates get to work with each other a lot or is it mainly individual work that they're doing? Is it well, right? as part of the virtual firm, they're working in a, a team, teams. right? They're, they're working in a team as for, let's say, you know, we've been re really creative in the firm names. It's firm number one, firm number two, firm <laughs> number three. Uh, you know, it's kept it simple and easy for us to manage as well. Yeah. But uh, firm number one, the folks in that, in that firm are getting to know each other. They were randomly established, these firms. It's not that you can say, I want to be with this person or that person. Mm -hmm. We actually randomly established these to force people to work with other individuals, different ways of thinking, developing those teamwork skills that sometimes law school may not provide the opportunity to do. Also at the same time, learning how to uh, work with different personalities and learning how to manage situations that may not always go smoothly. Mm -hmm. That includes maybe someone has been late with getting their piece of something ready for what needs to happen. Or a situation where life happens and someone has to step away for a particular emergency appointment well, then the rest of the team has to pick up and deal with and move on, right? Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what happens in practice and every day. So they're working together definitely is part of that. But in addition to that, they're also working opposite each other. So half of our firms are usually one side of a given matter, and the other half of our firms are the other side of the matter. So let's say it's a negotiation situation in a spousal situation, mm -hmm. right? Okay. One, one group represents the wife, one group represents the husband, let's say, or one partner versus the other partner. Um, if it's another situation like a business deal or a real estate transaction, the purchaser mm. and the, and the uh, seller, right? Yeah. So they're working together now across firms in that situation as well. Um, we're also, our mentors, halfway through the program switch. So the senior partner of their firm or their mentor in, in their virtual firm will switch. So they also get used to somebody else as well. Yeah. So the idea here is to, to provide as much opportunity to learn and develop through doing with different people and also to deal with change. Because you know what? The profession is constantly changing. Yeah. And wh when you think something is just settled, something else comes along and changes that. <laughs> well, guess what? That's what's happening here too. So you can become resilient and learn to deal with. So when you're out there, it's not a foreign concept. Yeah, Andre gave us a tour of the LPP offices when we first came in. And I must say that the impression is very entrepreneurial. And this is a venture that's being headed by a group of smart, experienced, and connected people. And uh, I'm a little bit inspired by this overall mission to elevate the caliber of the Ontario Bar. And um, so before we close this out, uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to share? Any other remarks? Well, my, my, my only comment would be, uh, first off, to thank both of you uh, for taking the time to come in on a Saturday to chat with me about this. Um, I also hope that for those of you who are listening to the program, that you will give us some thought as well and uh, think about learning more. And at the same time, too, uh, based on what you've learned here, hopefully sharing that with uh, the community around you. Because the more and more that people are educated about the program, the better it will be for all of us in the profession, uh, not just the members of the uh, LPP, but also the profession itself and for the public. Because I think we all are holding ourselves to, whether you're in traditional articling or you're in the LPP, we're holding ourselves to a higher standard because that's what the profession is all about. And if we can all ensure that we're delivering great service, focusing on our clients and doing right by everybody on that front, I think we will help to ensure that we have a great profession that will continue and that will only be better for everybody involved, whether it's from access to justice all the way through ensuring that we're evolving with the new technology and the needs that are out there. And if people need more information, is there somewhere they can go? They can definitely visit our website, uh, ryerson.ca slash LPP. Uh, they can also feel free to um, uh, do a quick search uh, uh, within Google. You'll find a number of different interviews that we've done as well, including this one now, which I, th I think will be on iTunes, so it's an easy listen on podcast. And uh, if they have further questions too, they feel free to reach out to us. We're all more than happy to help and answer. And uh, if there's a work placement listener out there, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready and waiting. So call my mobile or call my, uh, call my landline. I'm more than happy to, uh, to talk to you and see if we can arrange something. Fantastic. Well, Tremendous. thanks a lot, Andre. We really appreciate you taking this time on a Saturday as well and just sharing this information with us. Thank you both, gentlemen. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time. This is The Law School Show.